Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yo, what's up, listeners? Welcome to another episode of Thinking Outside the Boombox, your number one source for hip-hop and R&B news. My name is Ahmad, and I'm your host. It is Sunday, May 1st. Welcome to Thinking Outside the Boombox, the final season. After this episode, four episodes remain um, before the podcast will be riding off into the sunset at this point, you already know the deal. Uh, I'm in the middle of a fun series called Real Rhythm with my friend and co-host uh, Brian uh, from What's in the Box Office, uh, where we explore the history of hip-hop in movies. So um, in the Dig Deeper segment this week, we'll be discussing the best rappers turned actors. So very exciting conversation we have for you. Um, the Song of the Week in the Press Play segment, which features... Um, all of the news in the hip-hop and R&B genres that I want you to check out for this week is available in the podcast newsletter. Go to thinkingoutsidetheboombox.com. Uh, on the homepage, you can put in your email address. That'll add you to the mailing list, and you'll get a copy of the podcast newsletter in your inbox when an episode is released. Or just go to the newsletter tab at thinkingoutsidetheboombox.com. Um, a lot of dope uh, albums dropped this week. Um, so I'll have links to all of that in the podcast newsletter. But yeah, four episodes remain. Um, but this is part three of Real Rhythm uh, with my homie Brian. So let's take a very short music break. And then let's jump right into the Dig Deeper segment. Welcome back to Thinking Outside the Boombox. It is now time for the Dig Deeper segment. 
as I mentioned at the top of the episode, in the studio, have my friend Brian back. Hello, Brian. Hello. And this is part three of our Real Rhythm series, where we have been exploring the history of hip-hop in movies. And for this week's episode, we will be discussing the best rappers turned actors. Now, there are a ton of rappers who have, you know, decided to try their hand at at stepping in front of the camera and becoming an actor. A lot of them have failed. Um, So we're not going to be discussing most of those. Um, We compiled a list of about, I want to say like 15 or so actors who we think are worth talking about. Um, this is obviously not going to be the full list. Um, and then at the end of it, we are going to rank our top three, um, rappers turned actors. Um, anything you want to say before we get started, Brian? There's so many rappers turned actors (laughs) that it was very hard to, narrow in on and i feel like there's a lot that like you know i think bow wow has enough presence where he could have talked about mm-hmm. him uh kid cuddy's you know kind of consistent in film um if nick cannon kept making movies we could have done him but there's just <laughs> there's so many of them uh but i, I think yeah. we have a pretty good good list and i think it's it's gonna do well to kind of um i think these rappers are going to give us a good overall view of um, kind of the the template career the rappers can have, and then like the pinnacle of what they can achieve in the in the movie business as well. So, yeah, and I I do think uh, despite who we may have left out uh, that we don't talk about that the the ones that end up in our top three top four are the best ones. Like I don't think any of the ones we've left yeah, out probably. could have made a run at that title. So <laughs> that's probably true. Um, so let's get started. Let's jump in. Uh, we're going to start with Kid in Play. Yeah, kind of the first um, rappers to headline a, a major film as a way of um, attracting audiences. Like, you like this musical act? Come see them in a movie. Uh, which was, of course, House Party, which was released in 1990. It was originally written for Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. I don't know if you're aware of this. But um, very interesting that that was the case. Uh, it was a box office hit based on its budget. Its budget was really low, two and a half. It made 26. Uh, and it has good reviews, 93 on Rotten Tomatoes, 76 on Metacritic. It's considered a cult classic. They would follow that up with House Party 2 in 91. It was double the budget, double the amount of theaters. It debuted at number one. It made some money, not as much as the first. So $19 million on a $5 million budget. It was poorly reviewed. Um, then the next year, they actually tried their hand at a new film called Class Act, which came out in 92. It was poorly reviewed in a box office bomb. And then they concluded their House Party trilogy in 94. The budget is not known, but it was the lowest grossing film in the series and had a lot of other people. I think TLC was in it. And they would uh, not go on to star in another movie again, appearing only since then in a cameo role in the direct-to-video House party tonight's the night in 2013. <laughs> yeah, they Kid and Play is an interesting entry in this because they like did a little bit of rapping and a little bit of acting. Like they, I don't I honestly don't know if they did one more than the other because they only had about they had three albums 
um, I believe two of which had already come out before they started in House Party. So they had like a nice three to five year run of success musically, two gold albums um, before they would start doing movies. But then their acting career kind of ended pretty <laughs> soon after that as well. So, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's tricky too, because they're of the sort there's, there's certain rappers, including the one we'll get to in a second, who are very much of the time that only work for a certain, uh, demographic for such a small window. It's not really forward thinking rap. Whereas like, you know, uh, NWA, was as far as their sound and what they wanted to do musically kid and play um and same thing with uh, the with same thing with the fresh prince were very fun oriented and 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 kind of setting their music to the tone of the sound of the moment instead of kind of looking at it as ever changing so it does make sense that they had such a short career but also i mean everyone knows house party oh yeah so i they, they I have honestly, a classic on their hand i honestly feel like their legacy with house party is definitely bigger than their rap legacy. Um, yeah, like I agree. The movie is, is a, a hood classic. It's a classic in black culture. And while their, their dance um, that they came up with has also become a uh, pretty historic. I don't think any of their rapping or their music um, is remembered as much as the first house party movie and maybe the second one. Yeah, and I also, uh, as far as they go, you know, in, in the movie itself, I don't remember, and I watched this, you know, a few, a few years ago, but I don't remember them having that big of an impact, whereas, like, you know, it's kind of like they they didn't, they didn't outshine the movie. They were just kind of a part of it. So um, it wasn't really about them being in a movie. It was about what the movie was, and there's so many supporting characters to let you on to. So also, actor-wise, they didn't, really stand out as like these two are the stars of this movie no no yeah yeah which makes sense all right all moving right. on to your favorite entry in this list now hold on. Ice. hold on a second <laughs> is that because i'm white <laughs> of course it he's is. my he has to be my favorite rapper <laughs> uh no. vanilla ice starred in cool as ice which is a pretty good title uh, which came out in 1991, 1991, um, exactly July, August, September, four months, uh, after my birthday, my oh. literal birthday. Oh, so oh exact, yeah. Actual. Exactly four months old when that came out. Um, from September, 1990 to February, 1991, his debut album had sold over 7 million copies, which is kind of stunning. Oh, yeah. He was so popular that his, um, label developed a film division with universal solely to create a movie for him. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow was slated to star opposite him, but her father who I believe is an actor uh, said, no, 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 no. Oh yeah. Said, I heard, didn't she like think it was going to, he was going to, it was going to be like detrimental to her career. If she did this. Yeah, her, 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 her father said, you cannot, if you want to have a career, you will not do this movie. Um, which to some degree makes sense because the woman in it, what didn't become a thing. She was on ER for a while, uh, but and it's a shame because she's really good in the movie. Um, fun fact: the film was. Sh- we'll talk about this when I tell you about the movie. The film was shot by Janusz Kaminski, who went to Colombia 
and would go on to be Steven Spielberg's primary cinematographer two years after this, starting with Schindler's List, for which he won an Oscar. He would go on to win two Oscars, nominated for seven, and has shot such films as uh, The Lost World, Jerry Maguire, Saving Private Ryan, Minority. I'm just going to list a bunch of Spielberg movies. Uh, most recently, Spielberg's West Side Story, which again, he was nominated for and he should have won, in my opinion. Um, so the movie looks terrific. I was, and I'll tell, I'll tell, I was watching and occasionally just going like, like just screaming like, Oh, this movie won't end. And then going like, that's a gorgeous shot. Like I was just, it was so the opening of this movie is like a music video. It's him rapping. Naomi Campbell is in it singing the song. She actually, she sang on the song as well. I looked it up, but it's really well shot and edited. And I was like, why does this look so good? And then I remember that I, two days earlier had done this research. Uh, Right. There's a yacht. There are some really good shots in this. Um, the film was a notorious box office flop. It cost a cheap $6 million, but it only made $1.2. It was destroyed by critics, 3% on Rotten Tomatoes, 24 on Metacritic. Did you say 3% on Rotten Tomatoes? 3%, 3% of critics say go see it. Wow. Ice I want to talk to those critics. Yeah. <laughs> I bet they were like, it looks good. And the girls got, I don't know. Uh, Ice would never star in a movie again. He didn't. Uh, he didn't appear in a major motion picture for eleven years until 2002's The New Guy. And when he does show up, he's usually as himself. Um, this movie is garbage. And I watched this. I paid my money. I had paid four dollars to rent this. Oh man! And uh, it was a chore. It's an hour and twenty-five minutes. Hour and twenty minutes, and it's a chore to sit through. Everyone else in it is pretty good. The girl is really good. I want to get her name because she deserves credit. Kristen Minter, who's doing her damnedest to have chemistry with this guy. He is. He has no character. It's unclear whether he's playing himself because his name is Johnny. J- Johnny. Johnny Van Owen, who raps in the movie he puts on like performances but he's not playing vanilla ice it's very confusing he has no i don't even know who he is or what he does the movie's told in a series of like almost vignettes where things just kind of are happening and then it ends with a kidnapping plot her her father is in the witness protection program (laughs) and he gives an interview on tv so these mobsters find out where he is and go and kidnap his son and johnny has to save the day wild for a movie that was just about vanilla ice and his three friends. And then he likes this girl. Um, it's so bad. And the music's not good either. Uh, it makes sense why this wasn't a hit and he never wanted to do this again. That is wild. I, um, beautifully shot. There was, there was no chance in hell I was watching this movie. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, um, that's interesting that it was actually pretty, pretty good cinematography wise. It, I, honestly, there were, it's just, he so outdid himself. He outshines that movie. They did not deserve the eye of Giannis Kaminsky. It's very funny to watch certain <laughs> shots of that and go, the things that are happening in this are so bad, but like, look at this composition. It's gorgeous. <laughs> so it's pretty funny. All right. But it also, I, he was the, he was the first one who was a giant superstar rapper to star in his own movie. Yeah, you know, the, he, um, he, he, Ice Ice Baby he, was was catapulting his album to <laughs> to stardom, like just he, 
<laughs> carrying it. <laughs> he yeah, and and so it's an interesting distinction that you know he was the in this terrible movie was the first rapper who was so popular they were like give this guy a movie everyone's gonna want to see it. And I read that um, <laughs> it must have been like the dealing with the the fact that Universal like did their own movie division for him that they I guess they heard that Ice Cube was going to be starring in a the Boys in the Hood film and they were like yo we got to get Vanilla Ice his own movie man <laughs> like Ice Cube's got one <laughs> couldn't be different they they were just like we got to be the first Ice to be on screen yeah maybe <laughs> we can't have another Ice also he Ice Cube does not star in Boys in the Hood <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> He's in it. They saw, yeah, they saw them. They were like, "Oh, he's like one of the friends." <laughs> They're like, "Oh, we misread that." <laughs> yeah, it's not called the boy in the hood, and it's about Ice Cube. I see. Yeah. Uh, uh, next is the, is a big one, Tupac. Yeah, yeah, we're kind of running, going from one end to the other here. <laughs> <laughs> in what way? Um, all right. I think always. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Tupac's first movie was Juice, which came out in 92. Um, he had actually accompanied Money B to his audition and asked producer Neil H. Moritz if he could read. Uh, he gave him 15 minutes to prepare, and he got the role. He received positive reviews um, and made pretty decent money. Again, a lot of uh, a big theme here is going to be low budgets and so low grosses, but enough, not enough to consider it like a hit, we should make a sequel, but enough to be like it made its money back kind of thing. This was a $20 million on $5 million budget. Uh, he followed that up the next year with Poetic Justice, which came out in 93. It was John Singleton's follow-up to Boys in the Hood. So it was plagued by huge expectations. Because that movie was, we'll talk about that when we get to Ice Cube, was a huge deal when it came out. Uh, Poetic Justice had mostly negative reviews upon release, though its reputation has grown in esteem over the years. It debuted at number one at the box office, but was not a hit. $27 million on a $14 million budget. Uh, we already talked about Above the Rim. That was the next year, the last film released while he was alive. Uh, so now we have the posthumous release. So Bullet was the first one that came out afterward. It came out a month after his death. So after being delayed two years, so clearly a studio who knew their movie wasn't a hit and used his death to capitalize on a lot of media posts about him and heat that he had on him. Is that the Mickey Rourke uh, film? Yes. It uh, it didn't work. Uh, it had limited distribution, and there's no box office information or reviews. So they clearly just dumped it in theaters saying people will find it, and nobody really did. Um, then in 1997, we get his last two films, Gridlock, which was a, a dark comedy crime film. Star that oh no that's that's the one that's supposed to be pretty decent actually um, that came out in 1997 that was also a box office bomb and then gang related which co-starred Jim Belushi because that's who you want in your crime thriller oh, yeah. it was the f- <laughs> it was the final performance of Tupac's career mixed reviews and a box office bomb um, so very short lived and and as far as all the critics were concerned a very promising acting career um he really could have been something of an actor i don't know if he would have been a leading man but he certainly could have had commons career you know just showing up in prestige dramas and little side things in action films um but yeah he he's a very natural presence on screen yeah i feel like kind of similar to the like pure energy he brought to his music like his on-screen presence in the roles that he chose 
was pretty impressive. Like the way he moved within his performances, like he was very magnetic. You couldn't take your eyes off him when he was on the screen. Um, mm. Of course, Juice was he was his like clear standout performance. But I also really enjoyed his chemistry with Janet in Poetic Justice. Um, it was pretty entertaining, despite the flaws of that movie itself. Um, I would you know, love to see how he would say. No good. Uh, I would love to see how he would have developed as an actor. Um, I some missed opportunities. I heard that he was going to be in Menace to Society, or like he, um, yeah, yeah, he was supposed to be in Menace to Society, but he got in like a fight with the director, like a literal fight. Like I think he punched right. the director, um, and so he got cut from that. But Menace Society is one of my favorite movies, and I think if Tupac was in it, it would have been even better. So kind of a missed opportunity there but yeah yeah i just i feel like his his personality especially um his musical personality is so important to him and ingrained in who he is that i would i would have think he might have found it hard to branch out of a hardened character even even in poetic justice he does have these sweet moments and these romantic moments but at the core he's still like you know this tough guy and and so that would have been interesting and not a lot of rappers which we'll kind of get to later can successfully transition out of you know this idea of we're so tough um queen latifah has done it expertly but that's also kind of stopped her from going be able to go back to that although in the equalizer the show which we're not gonna talk about because it's not a movie (laughs) so we're not talking about it um i do think that she's she's uh it's kind of a mix and i my my, i've never seen the show but i can only imagine that she's kind of back to her um tough persona but yeah it's a thing that's kind of hard it's it's almost like typecasting but you're being typecast because of your music um, which is which is interesting. So it would have been hard for him to get out of that, but he was easily very talented. And I mean, he was, you know, so young, and uh, he had a lot of uh, a lot of potential. Yeah, I agree. Um, right. Obviously, this- his his music legacy is <laughs> is greater, but I feel like his acting legacy is one of those biggest what if questions when it comes to like hip hop, yes, especially Tupac's life. Absolutely. All right, now we got a big one. Oh yeah. Ice Cube. I got a lot of things here. This dude <laughs> has done a lot of shit. Oh my god, so many movies. All right. I skipped I skipped, you know, as many as I could. <laughs> um his first film was Boys in the Hood, which we've talked about. It came out in nineteen ninety one. One of the most influential films ever made, a box office hit, two Oscar nominations, uh best original screenplay for John Singleton and best director in which Singleton became the youngest person ever to be nominated for best director at 23 years old. And he was the first African American to be nominated for best director as well. So it it almost felt like a, uh, like a writing of the wrong for Spike Lee, even though Singleton deserved it. It was almost like two years after do the right thing. Everyone was like, you you can't fuck this up twice. (laughs) We, We got two incredible movies and you you got to stop not rewarding these young black directors who are really good. Um, and just 23 years old. I mean, Jesus, that's just insane. It was selected in 2002 by the Library of Congress for Preservation and the National Film Registry. Uh, as I said two weeks ago, 
that's a very important thing. I won't go into it again, but you, I think it has to be 11 years after you came out. So the first year of eligibility, Boys in the Hood got in. Um, and then he was in a few kind of lower profile film supporting roles until 1995 when We Get Friday, which he co-wrote. It was his first foray into comedy. It was a box office hit due to its low budget. Again, $27 million off a budget of three and a half. Mixed reviews upon release. It's now considered a cult classic. Two years later, he would co-star in Anaconda in 1997, which was the biggest film of his career up to that point. It had a budget of $45 million, big action picture, negative reviews, but it was a box office hit. Um, he co-starred in that with J-Lo, a movie that I can't watch. I don't like snakes. Uh, I've seen it once, and that's enough. I've seen it <laughs> once, and when Owen Wilson gets eaten, um, you see the snake swimming in the water afterward, and you see the outline of his body, and they they had the outline of his little smushed nose, and I was like 12, and it freaked me out. So I was like, I'm not doing this again. Uh, in 1998, he directed, his directorial debut was The Players Club, um, and it's still his only directorial effort. He's only directed one movie, and it was that. Mixed negative reviews, didn't hit at the box office, but it was a little bit profitable. Uh, 1999, huge deal, Three Kings. This was a dark comedy war flick co-starring George Clooney and Mark Wahlberg, uh, directed by David O. Russell, who this was his breakout film. He would go on to be a, a really big director in the late 2000s, early 2010s, a lot of Oscar noms. Um, that was a critical huge critical claim for that movie. It made money, but it wasn't a huge hit. Followed that up five years after the first film next Friday, which had negative reviews. It did fare well at the box office though. And then everything switched for him. September 13, 2002 barbershop, good reviews, a much lighter film for him, a much lighter character. Uh, it was a surprise box office smash $20 million. It's opening weekend, 75 domestic, the biggest hit of his career. Later that year, actually about two months later, he would come out with Friday After Next, which had negative reviews and disappointed at the box office. Two years later, Barbershop 2, back in business. Mixed positive reviews, higher opening weekend than the first, but only a decent return at the box office due to its budget being more than double that of the first film, and it just wasn't that big of a hit. Um, then, because of uh, my mind, because he was like, you know, in Barbershop, we got a lot of families going to see this. I didn't play... A tough guy. So then we get, are we there yet? In 2005, <laughs> his first kid-friendly film, it was a big hit. 98 million worldwide, 82 domestic, $32 million budget. Very, it was a big hit. <laughs> Very negative reviews. Uh, later that year, he took over for Vin Diesel in X State of the Union. Oh, yeah, that's right which uh, was the biggest budget for him so far, $113 million, very negative reviews, and it was a box office bomb. $26 million domestic, just $2 million more than what Barbershop 2 made in its first three days. This made total in North America. Um, then he followed that up with another sequel, Are We Done Yet?, which everyone said yes. Uh, disappointing box office. It had very negative reviews. And then we get into kind of the uh, the middle age of Cube's career. 21 Jump Street. Supporting role in an acclaimed comedy film. Perfect casting for him. Kind of playing into his uh, NWA persona. 
Uh, I believe somebody does say fuck the police in that movie at some point. Great box office, great buzz coming out of that. He anchors that into Ride Along, where he teamed up with rising comedy star Kevin Hart. It had a huge opening, the biggest opening weekend of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. weekend in history. It was a big hit, 154 worldwide on a $25 million budget, negative reviews. Two years later, well, that was such a big hit. We'll get another one, Ride Along 2, which made more money worldwide, but was not as big of a hit. It made $40 million less here in North America than the first film. And again, negative reviews. Then uh, two months later, Barbershop, the next cut with seemingly low buzz and a giant 12 year gap between installments. The first between the first film, this surprised with a face saving, if not all that great, $54 million, but it had a $20 million opening weekend uh, off a $20 million budget. Also face saving was how good and fresh the movie seemed. I remember being really surprised by how good the next cut is. Uh, I really like it. And then finally, Fist Fight, 2017, his kind of last big project um, starring-wise. A tired and failed attempt at another odd pairing. Tough Ice Cube versus small or weak comedy man. Um, That was Charlie Day in this case. That had negative reviews and was a box office bomb. And uh, that's where we stand with Ice Cube. It's it's, it's interesting. He went from... uh, you know, Friday was a hit, but he really didn't break out until starring and being a supported, a supporting role in films like Anaconda and Three Kings and stuff. Then Barbershop's a big hit, but it's an ensemble cast, right? So partial of the credit can go to him, but also it, it was a huge cast. Cedric the Entertainer was really big back then. Um, that was a big cast. And then he falls into the family fair, which a lot of tough guys, that was a huge thing for tough guys. Vin Diesel did the pacifier. Uh, the rock, the rock did the game plan and the tooth fairy. It was a huge thing where must, on posters were big men looking confused while a bunch of kids jumped on them. That was like every poster for these movies. Um, and yeah, he has his series, you know, but I, it's interesting because he's someone who has changed that persona or used it, uh, to his advantage to do different things, you know, like in, are we there yet? The he's, he's still kind of playing himself. He's a tough guy, but he's got these two kids coming at him, but it's still kind of the same persona as he had in the earlier films. So he's been able to kind of move his career forward by tweaking where to put this persona in, you know, 21 jump street. It's in a comedy poking fun at that persona. And are we there yet? It's in contrast to kids, you know, is, Ice Cube gonna, well, how is he gonna react in a PG setting? Is kind of the the pitch there, and then um, when he stars as himself, it doesn't really not as himself by himself. It doesn't really work out. Triple X didn't do that well. Fist Fight, Charlie Day's not really a box office star, so it's really riding on Cube, and that didn't do very well. And so it's uh, he's had an interesting, very long career, almost to the putting his music to the side, you know? Yeah, and um. I guess I'm kind of glad that he found his, his niche. Like, I mean, ice cube as an actor is involved in so many series and movies that are for, forever going to be immortalized in black culture. Like the Friday series, specifically Friday and next Friday. Like we, we don't really like to mention Friday after next, but <laughs> 
Friday and next Friday, Boys in the Hood, the Barbershop series, like, like they're they're classics. They're classics. I will gladly watch each of those over and over again. Um, I like in part of his history that John Singleton is the one that convinced him to write uh, or to co-write Friday. Like he basically was like, if you can write music, then you can write a movie, which uh, I don't know. I don't know know about that conceit, but uh, Uh, I I, I don't want to argue with a 23 year old Oscar nominee, but (laughs) most songs aren't 120 pages (laughs) and have to have to have characters have arcs throughout them. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. glad that worked out for him. Um, he's funny in his own way. He he knows how to work the comedy. And, you know, we've seen him in a more serious movie where he's doing less less acting, I think, and more just, like, existing in in the, like, serious. Like, for instance, his, his Boys in the Hood um, performance. It's like... It's, it's, it's almost like he, he falls back into a more, I'm just going to be Ice Cube... <laughs> than like you know acting a character you know what i mean right but, well that's kind of what it is in the jump streets which he's so good yeah at. yeah he's, he has he has a great face and he knows how to manipulate it for the camera to get a laugh like jump street is mainly him cutting to his face looking annoyed at them <laughs> yeah yeah and and like so the scene in it's got in the second one he has two perfect examples 22 jump street which is when <laughs> it's it's evans back to back it's when they go to the parents' weekend, and you find out that the that the girl Jonah Hill is sleeping with is his daughter, and then Queen Latifah cameos as the wife and his mom, and they have a great uh, moment, and he like tears apart this buffet and shit, and then they cut to Jonah Hill and Chang Tatum in the room, and Ice is just staring at Jonah Hill, daggers at him, <laughs> and Jonah it cuts to Jonah Hill, and he's wearing a bulletproof vest. <laughs> because he doesn't know what's going to happen. He's really good at that kind of thing. And he is, you know, his dramatic work kind of bounces off that three Kings is a good example. That's, that's a comedy, but it's also very, there's a lot of heavy shit in it. Have you, have you seen three Kings? No, it's very good. And, uh, same thing with boys in the hood, but he's kind of gone away from that where now he really does just comedies. Yeah. And it's tough because like, he's good at that, but it's like one thing Whereas if he kept switching it up, you know, maybe fist fight wouldn't feel so tired or just like, we've seen this a thousand times before. Um, but he has some really good stuff on it. I really, I need to watch the next cut again. Cause I really remember leaving that and going, that was a really good movie. The third barbershop movie. Yeah. Yeah. I love those movies. He's um, good. And then he was going to star in a, you know, he, he went on that kind of, uh, that rant on Twitter where he kind of lost his mind for a second. Oh yeah. And that's started, right. started posting the, all those anti-Semitic things. And then he was going to start a movie called Oh hell no with Jack black, which again, probably would have been tough ice cube versus small comedy man. Um, but that's a good pair that, that pairing would have done much better than Charlie day and, and ice cube. But uh, he, he, they're not doing that. He turned down like a $9 million payday because he didn't want to get vaccinated. Oh yeah, that's but right. Yeah. It was just another example of him doing the same kind of thing. So as he's getting older, he'll have to eventually branch out into something else, you yeah. know. Yeah. Or else he, or else he can make "Are We Dead Yet?" and it could take place <laughs> in an old folks' home. Yeah, I'm sure you uh, could keep could going with those. <laughs> I'm sure. All right. All right. Um, next up is Queen Latifah. 
Yes. Uh, her first big thing was set it off. I mean, how could it not be? 1996, it was a pioneer of the genre, being, as far as I can tell, the first uh, hip-hop female-fronted action flick. Uh, good reviews. I mean, I use action lightly. It's a thriller, but I'll say action. It is action yeah, in it. It's an action, yeah. Good reviews. Decent box office for its budget, $36 million against a $9 million budget, and it's now a, uh, a cult classic. She followed two years later, she started in a movie called Living Out Loud. And the reason why I'm mentioning this is uh, two reasons. One, it was a supporting role, but it was her co-starring with two heavyweights at the time, Holly Hunter and Danny DeVito. So it was a higher profile sort of project, almost like an awards player. Probably not for her, but I'm assuming for them. And it was the first in a different type of role for her, and it kind of eased her into what she would become. I watched a clip from the movie just to be sure, but her role is very soft-spoken. Um, you know, she's 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 uh, uh, yeah, soft-spoken is the best way to put it. Whereas most rappers turned actors like to keep their hardened personas. I mentioned this is an example of her shifting away from that, which she would basically do for the majority of her career, um, just kind of playing the opposite of who she was and set it off. And the film was a box office bomb. Uh, and then, of course, we have Chicago, which December 27, 2002, supporting role. This movie had huge critical acclaim, 13 Oscar nominations, uh, including Best Supporting Actress for Queen Latifah. Uh, and she, she's not the first. No, the year before this, Will Smith was nominated for Ali. She was the first female rapper to be nominated for an Oscar. We could say that. For acting. Um, so the movie won six Oscars, including Best Picture. It was a huge hit. It was the highest grossing live action musical at the time in history. Did you watch this? No, I decided to watch Bessie instead because she had more of a prominent role in that. Was Bessie? I looked at Bessie. Was Bessie was a made for TV, wasn't it? That came out in theaters. Uh, I don't know if it came out in theaters, but I know it was advertised pretty heavily on uh, HBO. Yeah, it was, it was Max an or HBO movie. Go. Yeah, yeah, it was it was an HBO movie. Um, then we have Bringing Down the House, which came out in 2003. That was a huge hit, and similar to Ice Cube. Uh, big tough Queen Latifah against a small comedy man and Steve <laughs> Martin. Uh, it was a huge hit, surprisingly potent $31 million opening weekend, which is huge. I remember going to see a sneak. Remember when movies used to do sneak previews like the weekend before there'd be one showtime for it and it's to get people to go see it and then tell their friends. And I, I remember going to that with my mom and uh, her boyfriend and when it was sold out, that's how popular it was. And we were like, well, what should we see? And there was a showing of old school that was about to play. And my mom's boyfriend was like, well, let's just go see that. And we saw that. And as a, uh, a 12-year-old, that was a much better choice for me. I much preferred old school <laughs> um, to bringing down the house. Uh, the film would go on to gross 132 domestic on a $33 million budget. Big, big hit. It had negative reviews. She followed that up with Taxi. Again. Formula, which co-star Jimmy Fallon. That opened to terrible reviews and was a box office flop. And then in 2005, after cameoing the year before in Barbershop 2, she headlined Beauty Shop, which was the, which was the spinoff. It was a box office bomb. It had mixed reviews. Um, 
then she would move into animation for Ice Age The Meltdown, which was the second Ice Age film. It was a supporting role. She put the love interest to Ray Romano's character. Um, the second film in the franchise, it was a huge hit, and she would go on to be in the final three films of that franchise as well. Uh, in 2006, she headlined the romantic comedy The Last, or just Last Holiday, excuse me. Mixed reviews, although the performances were praised, she co starred uh, in that with LL Cool J. It didn't fare well at the box office. Uh, another romantic comedy a few years later, Just Right, which also had mixed reviews and was a box office bomb. And uh, then she kind of took a break. She did a lot of TV stuff. I'm sure Bessie was in this, uh, this time as well. And then Girls Trip in 2017. Ensemble comedy, big hit, good reviews. Um, so she's someone who is consistently working. She produces a lot of stuff, and she's really good. Her that Oscar nomination got her a lot of clout, and which which was is great as it should, and um, really helped her develop her own projects. You know, she's starring in romantic comedies, and she's starring in she's headlining major comedies. And uh, for better or worse, it was someone that we didn't see do those kind of movies normally. So it was, it was a great uh, way of representation as well. Um, and, uh, and she's a really good actress. She has such great screen presence. She's great in Set It Off. She's great in Chicago. I watched Just Right, and it's okay. <laughs> you watched that it's, recently? Yeah, I watched oh, it for this. You know what? I watched it yesterday, and I wasn't feeling well, as I told you. So I wanted a light movie to watch. Uh, <laughs> um, That's funny. And it was – I had seen it – I saw it – not when it came out, but I saw it at some point. I saw – I watched it again, mainly because I'm very interested in the movies that are able to license NBA teams and see how they use them. This is a weird movie. It's made by Fox Searchlight, which is like the – it's the – that's the prestige awards getting division of 20th century Fox. So very strange for them to do this very mainstream movie. And you have two of these hip hop icons in your leading roles. And then when every single basketball scene has like a rock song playing, which just felt so I'm like, I'm watching common play basketball and I'm listening to like, you know, Lincoln Park, it's not them, but the equivalent of it. I'm just like, I don't understand. This doesn't fit here. <laughs> and Dwight Howard's pretty good in it. He has like a scene where he gets to talk to Common. He's pretty, it's got Dwight Howard, Dwayne Wade, Rashad Lewis, Jalen Rose, Rondo. It says Chris Paul. I don't remember seeing him. Um, very weird cameos. And like he plays for the New Jersey Nets, which is very funny. <laughs> Because they no longer exist. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. that was uh, amusing, but the movie's okay. But how was Bessie? It was really good. Um, Queen Latifah's phenomenal in it. Um, I was really glad that I watched it. I, I, I literally started press play in Chicago, and then I was like, I don't think she's going to get as much screen time in this as she is in, Be- in Bessie. And I wanted to really like get a good idea of like her acting chops outside of the stuff I had already seen. And so she was starring in it. And so I was like, all right, I want to watch Bessie. And it was, it was really good. Um, her performance made me want to see more of her acting. She had crazy charisma. Um, and yeah, I, I love Queen Latifah as an actress. She's my favorite character in Set It Off. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the lifeblood of living single, in my opinion. Um, she's funny. She can nail a comedic role. She can knock a serious one out the park. 
Um, She's a really good actress. It was directed by D. Rees, who did uh, Mudbound, which you said you wanted to watch with oh, yeah. Mary J. Yeah, I'll definitely be watching that. Did Did she do her own singing? Yeah, it sounded like it. Okay, so she was great it was just too. she sounded like Bessie. That's cool. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Um, yeah, you should also watch Chicago. She crushes, and uh, awesome. All right. Well, next we have Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Uh, his first major role was in uh, Baby Boy. He had been in very small stuff before this. Uh, in 2001, it was his first hot role in a hot major Hollywood project. The film was a box office flop, mixed uh, to positive reviews, but in my mind, it has cult status. I think people still talk about Baby Boy. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. And he doesn't have a huge role in it, from what I remember. No, either. he's he like is like kind of like the villain opposite Tyrese. Um, so he's in, he's in a few key scenes, but he doesn't take up a lot of time in the movie. You see, in, in my mind, and I, I told you this, but I'll tell the, I'm not afraid to admit it. I watched Baby Boy with my mother when I was 10. Um, and I remember both of us being very stunned by what we were seeing. Uh, probably, <laughs> I remember some very sweaty sex scenes in that movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, I always remembered Ving Rhames being the 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 boyfriend or the stepfather, but also the villain in the movie as well. Is that not yeah, true? He's, yeah, he's also a villain. Yeah, there's he's lots one, of okay, great. <laughs> I was going to say, do they really turn him around in that? <laughs> because I remember him being very vicious. Um, I do have to watch that again. He would then go on, uh, Snoop Dogg would then go on to star in Bones, which came out the same year. Halloween weekend, 2001. It was a rare, uh, major motion picture centered on a villain played by a rapper. Usually they're, if they're in a horror movie, it's a, it's one of the people who's being chased by the villain. Um, negative reviews, box office bomb. I watched it for this podcast. You're welcome. Everybody. It was not good. I showed you some of it. Uh, what did you think from what you saw? Uh, yeah, it looked like a pretty terrible movie. Um, that's not good. <laughs> Yeah, I just I feel like from what I remember from the trailers, right? It's, it's him in the hat and the coat walking around killing people. And he doesn't do that till like 20 minutes till the movie ends. So for an hour and 10 minutes, nothing's really happening. There are some pretty good practical effects, um, but it's, it's not a good movie. He's like fine in it, but he's just using his, his persona. He's just like, than killing people after he says I mean, witty. I feel like that's yeah. Snoop Dogg in pretty much every movie. At, like at this point, like he's he's become so much more of a personality than anything that like anytime I'm like, oh, Snoop Dogg's in this, he's gonna be being himself for the most right. part. Like, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, he was then in the Wash that same year, which I just wanted to mention because it is a really big cast, and he co-headlined that with uh, Dr. Dre. They both starred in that movie. So that was kind of a, a, a turning point. It had it opened pretty decently, not box office wise, but in a fair number of theaters. Uh, negative reviews, box office bomb. He three years later had a buzzy role as Huggy Bear in the Starsky and Hutch film, um, which was a box office hit, mixed positive reviews. But I remember him being a big part of the marketing for that. That Soup Dog was playing Huggy Bear, who I believe was a pimp in the film. Um, it was shocking, I know, for Snoop Dogg to portray a pimp. But it was, I remember the trailers having a lot of those jokes and him being a big part of the uh, media circuit for that movie. So I wanted to point that out. And then really the only other thing is that he was 
that was a big deal with Soul Plane in 2004. Box office bomb, negative reviews, but also has a cult status uh, as yeah. well. But I, I don't think he has that big of a role in that either. No, if I remember correctly, is he the pilot in that? Yes, he is one of the pilots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those movies that is a is a cult classic, but I don't really understand why it's a really pretty bad movie. But it's funny. It's yeah, funny. yeah. It serves I have not I've not seen it, but I intend to at some point. I just it's one of those things where it's just kind of in the zeitgeist enough where I'm like I I, I should know what that is, you know? Yeah, yeah. But he's mainly made a career of playing what you expect Snoop Dogg to be like in a supporting role. He doesn't really star in things. He just kind of shows up so you could go, Oh, Snoop Dogg, that's funny. Yeah. And then that's kind of it. And he's going to keep doing that. Like he's, he's a hustler for sure. Like he, he is, um, in the call of duty video games now, like as a playable character, like he knows how to find his way into like the things that are hot, uh, no matter how old he is. So, you know, I admire him for, you know, getting that money however he can. He is shockingly old. I think I keep <laughs> forgetting how – I'm going to look it up. Do you know how old he is offhand? No, I don't. I feel like every time I think about it, I'm he, – oh, he's 50. All right. I was going to say over 50. That's not that bad. Um, yeah, he's also an interesting one because he's also stopped making music for the time being unless – it's for a project and it's like, you know, as some kind of part of a bit, but he really doesn't make a whole lot of music as, as I recall. Snoop Dogg? Now, so he's, yeah. So right? he's, he's still pretty active. Um, the music's not like super exciting. Um, like I, I don't think I've saved a single song off of any of his like last four albums, but he put out an album, I think either earlier this year or last year. You know what? You're right. Maybe it's, I'm thinking that it's just not as, you know, in the zeitgeist. Oh as, yeah. Yeah. Like he, he releases albums and like most likely most people don't hear about it. <laughs> yeah. Like me, for instance, you know, I, <laughs> he's really just found a niche for himself. He's never kind of pushed his star status, you know, trying to launch franchises or trying to star in movies. He's really just been really comfortable um, doing his Snoop Dogg thing. So that's at least got to give him credit for that. He knows what yeah. works. Uh, next is DMX. <laughs> also a subpar actor. <laughs> uh, his first film was Belly in 98. We've talked about this already very briefly, but it was his debut performance co-led with uh, Nas. It didn't fare well at the box office, negative reviews, and uh, does have cult status. His next film, he would co-star in Exit Wounds with Steven Seagal, which came out in 2001, which was a surprise box office hit. It did have negative reviews. Two years later, he reteams with the same director for Cradle to the Grave, which we definitely talked about already, which didn't also didn't fare well at the box office and had negative reviews. And finally, the last of his starring vehicles, Never Die Alone in 2004. It was the first film he made that he headlined solo. He was the only real name on the poster. It was a box office bomb. Again, negative reviews, though DMX did receive some praise uh, for his performance, which me, which is like, oh, maybe I should watch that because yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah, uh, and then the last, one, the last one I wanted to mention was Top 5, his cameo performance mm. in 2014's Top 5, which was a box office bomb but had good reviews. But he, I remember when he came on screen, the, and the, the scene's on YouTube, but 
Chris Rock's having a flashback. He's telling a story. He's in jail. And he goes, and then I heard a noise. And you hear someone go, Yeah. I was in the theater and I laughed so hard. And then he sings Smile. I mean, it's really, it's, he does a really good job in that role that almost makes me go, oh, maybe you just needed the right type of performance. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Maybe you needed, um, something interesting but he's 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 good in that moment and it was a very funny part so i wanted to to shout it out as well but um he's he's an interesting case where he's someone who had a moderate amount of success at a time when like r-rated movies were still a thing especially small Mm -hmm. ones that had hip-hop soundtracks and had martial arts and shit and all this kind of stuff going on so you could kind of carve out a spot for yourself and he did and then he really just stopped and i don't know why but after never die alone didn't do well he just cut it and um it, it might have been to his benefit because as we've said he's not that great of an actor so it's possible that that would have just caught up with him eventually but um you know now he's got this weird place in like early 2000s where he was making these movies that uh, that people were seeing Yeah, I mean, he was such an interesting and dynamic just like person that I feel like probably back then his presence in a movie alone just made it feel like, oh, I got to see it. Like DMX is in it. That's going to be crazy. But um, I don't know the exact timeline, but it's possible the movies kind of stopped. He might have ran into some like personal issues either Mm. with drugs and prison. I'm not sure. I I had to have to look at the, the timeline, but that's. Probably he he kind of stopped doing a lot of things uh, like mm. probably around those same times. So that's probably why. Well, he uh, he got out just in the nick of time because he really just has this small window where he was pretty much he was kind of a big deal. There was not really a whole lot of rappers doing it at that level, mm-hmm. film wise in those years. Uh, next we have Outcast. So I've I've kind of gone down the timeline and done their individual projects in order of when they came out. So I'll, I'll let you guys know what that is. So the first one's Hollywood Homicide, which Andre 3000 had a small role in. But I bring it up because it came out in 2003, but it was a, a small role in a major film. It was Harrison Ford and Josh Hartnett. It's a film that, for some reason, I have some affection for. I don't know why I'm very nostalgic for this movie. I really It has one great car chase, but I saw it in theaters, and ever since then I've been like, I don't even know. It's not that good, but I just always liked it. Uh, but it got mixed reviews. It was a box office bomb, but it, a lot of rappers were in it. Actually, it was a. It took place. It was about um, a homicide in the hip hop community in Los Angeles. That's kind of where the story stems from. So it made sense. But um, he had a small role in it. But it was it was a big debut. It was it cost a lot of money. Um, he would then go on to star, co-star in Be Cool, which was the sequel to Get Shorty, which is a huge cast. Um, John Travolta, Uma Thurman, Vince Vaughn, Cedric the Entertainer, uh, The Rock. It's, it's a really big cast in 2005. Uh, directed by, I believe, F. Gary Gray. Yeah. And uh, it did okay at the box office. I think it got mixed reviews. But um, again, a very high profile, usually with these, uh, with the, the rappers who get into acting, it's much more lower stake movies and, and, uh, and stuff. These are two big budgeted, high profile movies right out the gate. Um, continuing that trend, Four Brothers in 2005. Love that movie. Which he was, he was one of the leading roles. That's also F. Gary, isn't it? Mm, I don't know. No, no, I think it's John Singleton. Hold on. 
Now I got to know. Yeah, it's Sean Singleton. Okay. Um, that was a, a co-leading role. Mixed reviews, but it was a box office hit. Um, and yeah, I remember liking it as well when I saw that in theaters, but I, I haven't seen it since. But Yeah, I liked uh, it. I he's, it. he's pretty good in it. Um, I think it was actually maybe one of the first movies I saw with him acting in it, and I was like, oh, wow, Andre 3000 has got some chops. You didn't see Hollywood Homicide? I did not. <laughs> oh, my God. What were you doing in summer 2003? Everyone saw that. Uh, As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Next, we have ATL, which Big Boy was in in a supporting role. Uh, pretty decent reviews for that movie. It didn't do that well at the box office, but I guess they're doing a sequel. I don't know. Oh, I, I saw. Yeah, I can see that. I saw a trailer. F- it's for a Netflix movie. I couldn't tell if it was fake, but <laughs> either way, <laughs> um, that was Big Boy's uh, entry into the film world. And then they collaborated for kind of like the last major project for Outcast. Is that true? Idlewild. Yeah. Yeah, a movie. So, I guess, horrible to make that it destroyed their relationship. I don't well, know why yeah. I'm blaming the movie, but 
Well, their relationship was kind of teetering before they started that, but yeah, that was definitely. Oh well, then that's a great idea. If, if you're on the outs with somebody, let's 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 let's, let's put our resource together and make a movie. That'll really bond us again. Uh, I like- watched I watched half of that movie yesterday, and I literally fell asleep watching it. <gasps> oh no! <laughs> it it was- doesn't hold up. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like. It's like weird and strange in the way that like outcasts are weird and strange, but like the the plot and just like it's way too long. Like it's I'm pretty sure it was like over two hours. You only watched half of it. Yeah, it even, even then long. was too long. I was just like, can we get you, to the You were an hour into it and you were like, This is too long. I needed the, I needed this to be over fifteen minutes ago. Yeah, I was like, there is an hour left, there's no way. And I just went to bed because <laughs> it, it was it was not good enough for me to justify spending another hour watching it. Um, you know, that's probably right. I saw I saw that in theater. I saw most of these movies, not outcast, which is most movies we're talking about in theaters. Uh-huh. And uh, it got mixed reviews. It was box office bomb. But I saw in theaters, and my I remember liking it a lot. My mom loved it to the point where, like two years ago, she was like, "Let's watch Idlewild." I remember liking that a lot, and I put it on, <laughs> and I remember thinking, "Like, oh, this isn't as good as I thought it was," and then like making up an excuse to stop watching it. <laughs> so, or like we got distracted. Uh-huh. And she was like, "All right, what were we doing?" And I was like, "Oh, Nothing. I don't know. Let's think Nothing. of let's yep. think of a movie to watch." <laughs> I was like, "I have other things I want to watch." So that might be true. I just, from what I remember, it is very much in the tone of Outcast. Like, there's almost it almost has like like a cartoon nature to it. It does. There's like yeah. sound effects that are very Looney Tunes esque. Is that yep. true? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of like boings of somebody like falls yeah. or something. Yeah, it's, and yeah. that that does feel very much how their music videos were as well, you know, very over the top avant-garde. You think about some of their, especially for not all of their music, especially for speaker box and love below, um, kind of taking it to a very heightened camp reality. So it did fit with their persona. Yeah. And they actually, um, so the soundtrack slash score uh, is kind of confusing because they also made an album and, and the movie of the same name, but like some of the songs that they performed or featured in the movie were actually from speaker box, uh, the level right. low. So it was kind of a mixture of the two. And they, whenever they like performed a song, like they performed the whole song. And I, this is honestly probably why the movie is so long because there are at least two or three, just like three to four minute performances of a full song. Um, which I mean, I enjoyed the performances because I liked that music. Um, but yeah, the movie is just not great. I do think Andre Three Thousand is a a solid actor, and I would love to see him act more. Big Boy, I think, can probably comfortably leave acting behind. Um, what we have a huge movie to talk about with him. We're going to talk about who's your caddy. You're saying you don't want more of that? No, I I have not even seen that, so I don't want any of that at all. You don't want a who's who's still your caddy? You don't want the sequel? <laughs> nah, I'll pass on that. All I right. do want to see Andre 3000's performance in that Jimi Hendrix. Um, I film, I was very close to watching. If I had felt better yesterday, I would have watched that. That was on my list, and then I was like, I don't feel good. I don't want to watch this like under the because yeah. in my mind. If it if it didn't make a noise enough where I remember that existed, I'm like it's probably not good. Mm-hmm. Like whenever someone goes like, "Oh, I watched this movie on Netflix. Is it supposed to be good?" And I'm like, 
I don't know what that is. So no. <laughs> if, it, if it was good, I would have heard about it. But, yeah. um, I remember it made like yeah. a splash at Sundance. And I remember being like, ooh, I can't wait until that's like in yeah. theaters. I want to see it. Yeah. And then I never heard about it again. <laughs> so well, let, let me just jump to that. That was called Jimmy is by my side. It came out in 2014. It was an Oscar play for him. It was a bomb. Mixed positive reviews. And he was actually mm. nominated for the Independent Spirit Award for Best Male Lead, which is not nothing. Um so it might be good. I remember that they, they didn't have the rights to Jimmy's songs. Oh, oh, so he's for, which her. I think that he's doing stuff that Jimmy recorded like in London. That's probably not owned by his estate for some oh, reason. Oh, interesting. That's what I vaguely read about it. But like that just immediately <laughs> makes me go, oh, I don't know. Well, yeah, that, that changes things. <laughs> it's not going to be him performing the shit that I know of Jimmy. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, anyway, it, uh, yeah, I, something else I want to say about them before I finish their, their thing is that it makes sense that Andre is the more born actor. Cause he's the more natural performer out mm-hmm. of the two, out of all of their things, even rapping wise, he's the one putting on a performance and in their music videos, he's always the more eccentric yeah. He's always the more crazy. So it does make sense that he's able to then take on characters more than Big Boy, who's much more straightforward um, in his role in, in their group. Uh, who's your caddy? <laughs> Which I watched the trailer for. <laughs> it looks so bad. Came out in 2007. Big Boy was the lead. He was the lead. He was the first name on the thing. Um, terrible reviews, box office bomb. Andre then co-starred in another high-profile project, semi-pro which came out in 2008 uh big comedy negative reviews and a box office bomb and then finally i want to mention it because it's really good uh andre 3000 two years ago 2019 was in a movie called high life which uh is written and directed by claire denis who's an incredible french director it was a supporting role acclaimed director high profile indie it also it starred robert pattinson and it had good reviews. It's a very good movie. It's very strange, very slow, um, but very rewarding and a very challenging film. But it's just a whole different kind of ballpark that we see most rappers turn to as far as projects go. Um, and it makes sense for Andre this late in his career. He doesn't really pick the mainstream things, whether it's what songs to jump on. He didn't, hasn't made a lot of music since they dissolved. So this does make sense that he's like, she's a great director. I want to be in this movie and uh, it's really good. So I wanted to, to highlight that as well. All right. Who's next? Uh, Eve. Eve. Yeah. So Eve is also an interesting one. Cause I feel like she's more known for as far as acting goes, the barbershop movies, obviously, but she had her own show. Yeah. On UPN. I remember it. Well, um, called Eve. Which makes sense, but she, she she never really you know she was in Triple X very briefly, very briefly. Like she walks in, he walks into his house at the beginning, and she like greets him at the party, mm. and that's all she does. She's yeah. very briefly in it. Uh, obviously, the barbershop movie. She cameoed in Charlie's Angels. Uh, she was in the Cookout. She was in Whip It, which is really good. That's a, that's a decent role for her. But um, yeah, she's which is odd because I remember her being in the barbershop movie, especially that first one. She's a very natural performer. Oh yeah, I really liked her in that movie, and I certainly think that if she had wanted, she could have had a film career. But she um, clearly used her barbershop clout to get her own show, which 
hey, 66 episodes, she, she made money on that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, now she mainly sticks to TV. She has that new show, Queens. Oh, Queens, yeah. That's yeah. out, which I, I, I haven't watched, but um, yeah, I don't know. What, anything else about Eve? Yeah, no, I um, I feel like Eve is just, she's a solid role player. Um, like, like a lot of the rappers on on this list, like most of them are not, you know, like leading men and women, but there are like a few who are like, if you put them in a movie, like they're going to give you some solid performances and are going to steal the show. And I feel like Eve, like she was a, a standout member of that barbershop ensemble. And I remember enjoying her, her UPN show as a preteen slash teenager. Um, yeah. Yeah. And she's good in whip it. You know, I, and I don't want to feel like we're disparaging any of these rappers for being like, you know, they're not leading person status because it's hard to be an actor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's not, it's not easy when you have to perform a scene that takes place later in the movie when your character has been through all this stuff and have to remember that and use that and be in that moment. And then two hours later, you're performing a scene that happens 50 pages before that thing you just <laughs> played. So you have to forget all the things your character knows after that and just stick to it and yeah. do it over and over again. And and so it's, it's a hard thing to do and it doesn't, it's not like rapping lends itself or even singing lends itself to acting. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're able to cross over. So, the majority of the times that a lot of rappers will succeed is playing things that play to their persona or are small roles that don't demand a lot of them as an actor. Then they're yeah. just because what singers and what rappers especially are good at is presence, presence on a song, presence on a, in concert, music videos. So if you put them in a scene, use their presence to your advantage and they don't really have to do a lot of acting and they could still be very successful in that. So yeah. she's a good role player. I wish she would do more uh, films though. Yeah, that would be nice. All right. Who's next? Uh, most deaf. Most deaf. Yaslin Bay. All right. What's interesting about most deaf is that he was a child actor. Yeah. I actually just learned that. I didn't realize he was, he was more of a, a child actor turned rapper turned rapper actor. <laughs> so he shouldn't count. Um, no. <laughs> He uh, his first big film was uh, Bamboozled, the 2000 Spike Lee joint. He had a small role in that. I think he also contributed a song to that soundtrack. But it was a box office bomb and had mixed reviews. But that's a pretty high profile gig uh, early in your career, Spike Lee movie. So I got to mention it. He had a supporting role in Brown Sugar, which I don't remember him in. But I also haven't seen that since I saw it. Yeah, I think he's he's the main like like artist that uh, Tay Diggs character is trying to like like manage his career or something like that. I remember him being Boy, pretty I, good in Brown Sugar. I even forgot that Tay Diggs was in music. I, I saw that <laughs> in 2002 in a theater because uh, it was supposed to be good, and it was, and I really haven't visited it since. But that got good reviews, made decent money. Uh, then we get into some big projects. The Italian Job, also F. Gary Gray in 2003, supporting role, but he's like one of the main people in it. His biggest movie to date, it had good reviews, and it was a hit. Have you seen The Italian Job? Yes, I love The Italian Job. I love the Italian job. Uh, and he's really good at it too. Two years later, he's in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy based on the very popular book. Uh, he was the co-lead in that. It had decent reviews and decent box office. Then a year later, he's in the thriller 16 Blocks, which he's the co-lead. It had mixed reviews and mixed box office. But uh, did you watch that? I did. I thought he was fantastic in it. What did you think of the movie? 
Uh, it was good. It was good. Um, it was, I mean, it's, it's one of those movies where the, like, like the concept of it is kind of played out at this point, sure. but I mean, I'm sure maybe when it came out, it wasn't. So it makes sense. No, it was. It, oh, was. it still was. <laughs> but, um, I thought he, he brought a lot of like energy and just like life to that movie with his performance. Like, like I, I wanted anytime he wasn't on the screen, I was like, all right, I want most stuff to come back. Like, why did you all well, <laughs> give it? He's in, he's in, a, he's on, he's on the screen a lot. So yeah, you're not yeah. without him. I, I saw this, um, in theaters. And I remember at the time hearing a lot about his performance in it, but what stuck with me, well, not like that didn't, but, um, it's always been one of my hidden gems almost. It's like, it's such a solid action thriller. That's really well shot. Richard Donner, who was, this was his last movie before he died. He's a great director. He, he really holds it tight. It's played in real time. So when he picks him up, there's like an hour and 40 minutes left. So let's get to the, the, mm-hmm. the court. And we see that all in real time. Yeah. Um, David Morris is the villain. I think is really good. Bruce Willis is really good. It's kind of a very, um, vulnerable performance for him. He plays a screw up in it. He doesn't, he also doesn't, I like that. He's out of breath all the time. (laughs) He's like, so, so out of shape as an alcoholic that there was a moment where David Morse is like, you okay. And he's like, I'm just catching my wind. I was just running. Uh, (laughs) And the movie is really good. It's very sweet at the end. Like I Mm -hmm. really like this movie. I think it's really solid. And most F is so good in this movie. He, it's such a role that in any other movie like this would be used as a comedic effect. Yeah. You know what I mean? This kind of like fast talking, uh, black character who needs to get to the courthouse and he's like bugging the white cop and stuff, mm-hmm. but he adds so much vulnerability and it's also a credit to the screenwriters that they just didn't write that kind of character, but True. he gives it such vulnerability. He's making a choice with his voice, but it never feels put on. Yeah. You know, it yeah. does it doesn't really feel like he's you're you're like just talk normally. He's very sweet and tender. He's like that moment where that cop comes into the bar and he immediately shuts down and looks it's so good. He's so yeah, good he's in really this good. movie. He's a really good actor. That um it always uh, impresses me when I watch it. He's really good. He was also in Be Kind Rewind in 2008. This was a, a I big director. That movie. Michel Gondry who had directed I don't know if this is his follow-up to to Eternal Sunshine. The Spotless Mind, which is an all-time classic, but it's very close to that. Uh, Jack Black was in it. Mixed reviews, poor box office. I remember really wanting to like this movie and thinking it was just okay. I did not rewatch it. Have you seen this? Be kind, rewind. Yeah. What do you do? You remember what you think about it? What you thought about it? Uh, I don't. I remember it being funny, but you know, not not a movie that I have watched since then. So yeah, it's not um, super mainstream, but he doesn't. Mosef doesn't really star in a lot of movies, especially now. Is his he like retired from acting a few years ago? Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah. And and music, I think, at the same time. But um, he mainly had supporting roles after this. Uh, he did some TV, and uh, and then his last two things have been documentaries. So he just kind of fell. Off, but he was such a good actor. He had such presence. He really could have been. Um, he really could have been one of the bigger rappers turned actors. I think he could have gotten a lot of acclaim. He could have popped himself into a franchise to make, mm-hmm. so I could see him in the MC. I could see him in the MCU doing something, you know, I think he's really strong. Um, it's a shame. I don't have as much credits to talk about, but that's the way it goes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. LO cool J is that next? Yeah. 
his first big movie was hollow. He, he really went out the gate like a rocket. Like when he, when he had a prominent role, his first pretty major role was in Halloween H2O 20 years later, which came out in 1998. It was a supporting role and it was a legacy sequel before those were a thing. Jamie Lee Curtis came back after not having starred in a Halloween movie since, um, the second one in like the eighties. And it was a big hit and it had decent reviews. It's actually good. Um, it's good. And, uh, it starts his, <laughs> it's one, it's a one, two punch of him being in a horror movie where he doesn't die. He really didn't like, it was like, he was like, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to die in a movie. And they're um, like, okay, he, you're L cool J fine. <laughs> sure. Don't. I, uh, yeah. I was going to make a mama said, knock you out joke, but it didn't come to me. Okay. <laughs> It was, uh, you know what he should have done? He should have like, when someone bothered him, he should have been like, Oh, what? My phone's ringing. Uh, Oh, my mom is calling. I wonder what she has to say. And the guy's like, no, it's fine. Well, you don't have to die. He's like, okay, great. I'll call her back later. (laughs) That's what I would do. Um, anyway, the, the movie is, is good and he's good in it as well. Uh, followed that up the next year with deep blue sea again, big budget, Big movie, supporting role, decent box office, mixed reviews. It now has a cult status. I don't know how we missed in our songs written for movies his song for this movie, mm. which is called which is, um, Deeper Bluer is what it's called. <laughs> Deeper Bluer. Uh, have you ever heard this song? No. So the music video has him turning into a shark. Um uh, at some point, uh, the one of the uh, one of the lyrics is about how uh, I believe it's part of the chorus is deeper, bluer, m- deepest, bluest. My head is like a shark's fin, which I believe is because it's on backwards. So when he's swimming, it sticks. It would stick out of the water, much like a shark's fin. Um, but it's very funny. I'll I'll I'll, I'll plays here when we're done it's a good it's funny uh but no this was a big deal to the samuel jackson scene it's got a bunch of smart sharks running around it's a lot of fun have you ever seen deep lucy no it's on my list of ll cool j movies to watch that and it's, into uh, deep, i think are the ones i really want to see it's very fun um and spoiler alert he also doesn't die in it he makes it he kills the shark he makes it till the end uh his next film another big movie any given sunday he has a supporting role in this huge director. Oliver Stone is a le- especially at this time, legendary director, huge cast, Al Pacino, Cameron Diaz, enormous cast, uh, poor box office and mixed reviews. He also got into some trouble on set. I forgot who with, but there's a whole thing about him feuding with maybe like the real NFL players uh, Okay. or he was like, he was in a club in Miami with a bunch of the actors and they were feeling those all something going on, but a uh, big movie. His next uh, film was his first co-lead for a big movie, Rollerball, which was a remake of a film uh, from the 70s. Big budget, horrible reviews, notorious flop. Surprised it's not on our tournament. Um, very prolific that that movie sucks. <laughs> he then follows that up with his uh, first romantic lead, Deliver Us from Eva, which is a romantic comedy starring him. and uh, That's Gabrielle Union, right, in that movie? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, poor box office and mixed reviews that summer. He co-stars in SWAT again with Samuel Jackson, a little deep blue sea reunion, <laughs> big, big summer hit mixed reviews. Um, and then finally, before he moves, 
solely into television where he's mm-hmm. had huge success. He's made so much money off CBS. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Him and ice tea. <laughs> him and, oh my God. Yeah. They are bleeding network TV. <laughs> and by the way, they should, uh, you, you, you get paid so much for network TV that and they've been on those shows forever. Uh, but his next romantic film last holiday, which you talked about with Queen oh, Latifah, yeah. um, Again, mixed reviews didn't fare well, but then he really stopped. He found his niche in um, on TV. But it's interesting because his persona is almost already like an action hero. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Is. His rap, his rap persona is: I'm the biggest dude around. I can k- beat anyone up. Yeah, I'm so cool. That you would, th- <laughs> yeah. Ladies love me. <laughs> so you would think that he would try to be like the black James Bond, where he would just be like, let's make an American James Bond with me. Mm-hmm. Ladies love me. <laughs> I can ki- I can defeat anybody. Um, so it's interesting that he never went with like the lead of an action movie route or really tried to get into that space at all. Um, he just seemingly did movies that he thought were fun that he wanted yeah. to make, which is that makes totally sense. his prerogative. Cool. And he's yeah. had a lot of success with it, but now he's on TV. Yeah. So he's dead to me. <laughs> I don't watch TV. Um, yeah. Cool J is, he's one of those rapper turned actors where, I mean, I think maybe because of the timing of it all, I haven't seen a lot of the movies he's been in, but I sure. have heard a bunch about movies like deep blue sea and into deep to the point where I'm like, I do want to watch those two movies. I've seen deliver us from Eva a bunch of times. He's okay. in it. it's, it's like one of those movies from that, those rom-com type movies from that time period that are all kind of about the same. Um, but yeah, um, he, he's one of the rapper turns actors that I want to explore more of his performances. Yeah. And, and so many of the movies, what's nice is that they're fun it's not like you're going to go back and watch, you know, a bunch of very heavy crime thrillers mm-hmm. with this rapper actor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're going to watch any given Sunday is like so ridiculous that it's fun oh, to yeah. watch. Yeah. I love that movie. Um, it's also so long. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. And then Halloween H2O is one of the better Halloween. It might be the best of like the, those bunch of Halloween sequels. It definitely is. And, um, and Deep Blue Sea is just a fun shark movie. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's good. He's got a parrot in it. And he's religious. <laughs> okay. He's a religious cook with a parrot. The parrot does not survive. Okay. <laughs> Next is Common. Uh, Common. Oh, yeah, you're right. I was going to go with the other one. <laughs> yeah, so Common, um, he hasn't starred in a whole lot of stuff. He, of course, did Just Right, which we already talked about. Um He's more also kind of similar to a lot of the rapper turned actors, more of a, a supporting player. He's in a oh, lot yeah. of. He is the ultimate role of, player. <laughs> he really is. He played like a cop and now you see me, which like, okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's a co-star as an American gangster and mm-hmm. wanted and Terminator Salvation. He played a cop in Date Night. Like, yeah, he's just the these villain random, in uh, uh, John Wick 2. <laughs> Yeah, and then he'll play James Bevel and Selma. You know, he's yeah, he's one of the he, he played that random rapper in Suicide Squad who gets killed by the, oh, by yeah, the Joker. Yeah, yeah. Um He's prolific. He 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 really is. He's he's but he's also one of the stronger actors, I think, that mm-hmm. we have from this bunch. I think he's really good. Um I just wish that he picks projects that are a little more focused as far as quality of script or working with yeah. direct, like s- 
Selma's a great idea. Follow, keep working with those kind of great directors, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't, you don't need to like make Megan Levy, which I know you don't know what that is. Not, no one does, <laughs> you know, keep, keep making the hate you give those kind of yeah, movies. Definitely. Um, I just, he is really good. He just like seems to say yes to everything, which I also, and not everything. I think this is also a case of he's just very, he likes certain, you could, there's a lot of, there's a lot of through lines with the movies he picks, Run All Night is like a cheap action thriller with Liam Neeson. And mm. you can put that with like Hunter Killer, which is, you know, a movie about submarine. Like I think he just likes kind of these kind of cheap um, action thrillers. So if that's what he likes to make, sure. But I think that his talent is going, uh, I don't know. I just think his talent's going to waste a little bit. I'd like to see him push himself. Yeah, I agree. He's got a great voice. He's got a great he voice. Does. And and he's and, he's the type of like he's he's so known I think at this point like across the map that like when he's in something people are if you're not rushing out to see it you're, you're perking up a little bit you're like oh comments in oh yeah comment he'll probably be pretty good in that <laughs> yeah you know something I want to say about common um, in just right is he plays they say that he's ten years into playing with the net so let's say they drafted him. Uh-huh. So let's say he's like 31, right? Mm-hmm. He's a point guard and he's getting ready for his next big contract. And then he hurts his knee and everything like that. So he hurts his, he hurts his knee in the all-star game. So when the all-star game starts, the announcers are like, uh, we have a uh, superstar Dwayne Wade and Dwight Howard here, but everyone's here to see Steven McKnight. I'm like, everyone's at the all-star game to see a 31-year-old point guard? Like, do you think, like, five years ago, everyone was tuning into the all-star game to see Chris Paul? (laughs) Also, Common's, like, six foot, and he's, like, dunking and stuff. I'm like, I don't know if Common can dunk. (laughs) I don't know, but it's uh, it's funny. All right. Ludacris. Mm -hmm. So, Ludacris... um, gets his start in Too Fast, Too Furious, playing Tej... Parker, which like you just kind of fell into your first role and now it's like your defining on screen <laughs> character, even though the character looks nothing like it did in Too Fast, Too Furious. Uh-huh. Um but uh yeah, I, I remember when that came out, John Singleton directed that second one. So Tyrese was in it, reuniting him with Baby Boy, and it had a very hip hop feel. So uh Ludacris being in it was a it was a, a big stunt casting. That was mm. a big kind of fun deal. He had his big Afro that he, that he had back then. Mm. And, um, and that was good. He, he would then co-star. He, so Ludacris then takes the opposite approach. He, he stars in like a big action flick mm. that makes money. He's not like the best part of it. He's not in it a lot, but then he goes, who's, who's interesting. What <laughs> scripts are good. So then he's in hustle and flow. Great. In he's it. in He's in Crash, which right is, which, say which, right, which that movie like is says such a mixed bag right now. Yeah, yeah. People don't know how to feel about it, but he is great in it, and mm-hmm. it won Best Picture. So as a as a, a, a actor, good choice. Yes, for sure. Uh, then he's in Fred Claus okay. as an elf. Okay. We don't talk about it. We don't talk. About it. That's fine. <laughs> uh, he's in Max Payne. He's in Gamer. So then he goes on a run of. Um, 
action movies that aren't very good. He's in No Strings Attached, which I think he just plays Kutcher's friend. And then he comes back for Fast Five. And then we basically just get Fast and Furious movies from him uh, till the end of time. And uh, that's that's fine. He found a niche for himself. But it's also a case of like kind of a shame because he has such screen presence. And like his performance in Hustle and Flow and Crash are very difficult performances. Yeah. It's not like an easy acting. He's playing a rapper, but that in that one conversation, that rapper has to go from like indignant to sarcastic to like boisterous. And Mm -hmm. then he brings him down to earth. And then because we know what he does with the tape, he has to play up to Terrence Howard and like make him think that he likes him and all this kind of stuff. That's a difficult world. There's a lot of layers to that same thing with crash. So he has the skills. And again, I just wish that he would, you know, not just rest on the paycheck of the fast and furious movies, which I'm sure are very nice. Um, and work with some good actors, but, uh, it's, it's an interesting thing that, you know, um, there, there are few rappers who turn actors that really have what it takes to be a great actor. Mm-hmm. and a lot of them don't seem to really be interested in that in developing that skill, which is totally fine. It's their prerogative. It's just, it's a shame that when you kind of see that potential, um, it not be realized. But speaking of potential, the opposite of potential, not realized <laughs> our next, uh, our next uh, person, the, uh, the big fish, mm-hmm. some might say, uh, Mr. Will Smith. <laughs> I mean the, the the pinnacle of what you can do. Yeah. You know, not and I it's it's tr- how long was he a rapper do you think before Fresh Prince? Like 4 years? Yeah, that yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. Let me let me verify while you see that. Up. What a gamble to take on. You know, and I I feel like a lot of their early videos too, the Fresh Prince and Jazzy Jeff and you could correct me on this were also in the similar vein to Andre 3000 and Outkast, very performative in their music videos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, it's not that much of a stretch to go, let's put him in a show. But the show is completely centered around him and he him being the audience gateway into Bel Air and that society. Puts a lot on his shoulders. He has to be the audience surrogate, so we have to believe him and and trust him as an audience. And so, it is a big gamble. And you know, my God, I don't think we'll ever see something. We'll never see anything like his career again. Someone Absolutely who starts not, as a yeah. rapper, who then becomes the biggest movie star on the planet for like eight years, and gets nominated for a bunch of Oscars and then wins an Oscar. Like it's just it's it's un it's not repeatable. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and you know, we've obviously we've, we've talked a bunch about everything Will Smith on both of our podcasts, but like, and his rapping, although underrated and kind of disrespected um, when he was like in the midst of it, like was pretty damn good. Like yeah. big Willie style and Willinium are like really solid albums and like albums that like people in our generation, like listen to a lot, at least the singles, like, pretty pretty heavily um, oh yeah and yeah so the fact that he could you know be a rapper who was very very successful and then become one of the biggest movie stars of all time is that's insanity like that doesn't happen <laughs> and what's what's such a uh, an interesting 
thing about his rapping persona is that, you know, the songs for his movies, he would always talk about how his character is the best. Mm -hmm. It's always about how he's the hero and just follow him, listen to him. So it's also in the similar vein of cocky rap, right? We are talking about how you're the best one, but he does it in such a way that it, it, it takes you along. It's not off putting where some of these can be. Mm -hmm. Um, he's really good at towing that line of being boisterous, but in a way where we're like, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I don't think anyone in the West would want to meet Jim West. I think that's true. (laughs) I I think, uh, I, I, yeah, I think you'd want to avoid uh, agent J. I, he, he made it so accessible for, you know, um, people of any age to really get on board with it. And, mm-hmm. uh, he just transcended everything that you would expect a rapper to be in a movie, especially because it happened after, um, this kind of thing began, you know, men in black was even independence day was two years after juice. Yeah. You know, and, and, and after these movies where we already started to see that that kind of wave, he, he was a rapper who didn't star in a film about gang violence or about, you know, gangsters. It was, Mm -hmm. it was, um, he really tread, he really blazed a trail in that regard. Yeah. Completely agree. (sighs) I hope he makes a movie again. I do too. I really like, I'm, I am already just at the point where it's like, all right, let's get past this. And I really hope that, you know, his career can pick up and he has like a, a nice big moment in the near future. I've gone on, I've gone on such a wave of like it, when it happened, you were sitting, we were all sitting right Uh together when it happened. And we were all like, oh, I don't know. This is this will blow over. And Noah for like that whole night was like, eh, I don't think it'll be a big deal. And I'm like, I think it might be. And he's like, nah. <laughs> he's like, people will realize that people on Twitter are being ridiculous. And then and so the next day I was like, Yeah, I mean, they're saying stuff, but it'll be fine. I've gone their whole thing of being like, it'll be fine to mm-hmm. his career's over. <laughs> and I, I'm on such a roller coaster with this kind of thing of what's gonna happen. I, I, I hope he comes out on top. He deserves to. He's he's as far as rappers turned actors, he's the goat. He is. He is, and there is no one can even touch him. Like he is on such no. a higher plane that like <laughs> like he he's was cemented. The, he was and it's not even because like he was the biggest or best rapper. It a lot of it. I want to make this clear because this is a movie music podcast. It's because of where the movie industry was mm. at that time. At that time, stars were the biggest commodity. Tom Cruise, Julia Roberts, Tom mm. Hanks, Denzel Washington. That was how movies did well. People said, "I like that actor. I want to see what they're doing in this movie." Mm-hmm. Then in the early two thousands because of like the one, two punch of Spider-Man, Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings studios sought franchises and movies that appealed to every single person called four quadrant, Mm. you know, young, old man, woman. Okay. Every single thing we want everyone to come see our PG 13 movies. So R rated movies started to go away, which, you know, was a big part of Denzel's bag Mm. and a big part of, uh, Tom Cruise, not Tom Cruise, but uh, some other people, um, and and so then and that went away and then we got into now which is just franchises and IPs and someone as if, if a movie star is going to be successful more often than not they have to be as something Tom Cruise 
as Ethan Hunt in Mission right, Impossible. Right. Not just Tom Cruise will sell a movie anymore. Mm-hmm. So Will Smith came up in a time when stars were the biggest thing. And then because he's so family friendly, he transitioned so smoothly into four quadrant movie stardom mm. where young, old man, woman, everyone wanted to see, everyone liked Will Smith and everyone wanted to see Will Smith. And so he could really command that PG 13. All everyone wants to go blockbuster. That's what's going to not happen again yeah. is no one's going to be able to take it the way the movie business is. No one's going to be able to take over that way. It's not going to happen again. So he is the goat, but He's not the he's not the only good one though. Yeah, yeah, and um, so, I do want to mention, I guess, before we get into our rankings, that for for the people who listen to the podcast with the notebooks out, I did want to did want to mention a few rappers that we considered talking about in depth, and then realized that you know they weren't as um, important as the ones we did talk about. Uh, of course, Ice T. Um, he was in New Jack City. Mm-hmm. A million other cameos. He's on Law and Order now, taking all the CBS money. Uh, Nas, uh, pretty much belly is the biggest thing he's known for, but he's kind of made cameos in movies here or there. Method man has actually acted in a lot of things. Um, yeah, he's good too. Man. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's good. really good. Um, currently he's doing more TV than movies. Um, I know him currently more from power. Um, I believe he was also in the deuce on HBO or Showtime, whichever. Yeah, I think, I think it was HBO. that sounds right. Um, but of course he did how high he was also in belly Eminem with eight mile. He wouldn't really act again after that same, uh, well, 50 cent with get rich or die trying. He did actually a lot of acting after that, but none of it was really worth seeing. Um, and then he, of course, with the power TV series, uh, TI and ATL, um so yeah those are some of the you know well-known rappers that also uh kind of forayed into acting but yeah, yeah. and there's there, there's so many more that you know sean combs is really good in like yeah, getting to the yeah. greek mm-hmm. and stuff and um yeah it's it, it's a there's, there's that old adage isn't there that like all all uh athletes want to be rappers <laughs> All rappers want to be actors and all actors want to be athletes. <laughs> yeah, I can you see know, it. That's why you'll see Adam Sandler oh at like God, a YMCA yeah. playing basketball for like two hours. Mm-hmm. And that's why you'll see uh, Damian Lillard recording rap albums. And that's mm-hmm. why you'll see 50 Cent starring and Get Rich or Die Try. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, so let's rank them and then I have a question for you. Okay, so um, top three is that what we're doing? Yeah, outside of Will Smith. So we decided before the podcast that, like, you know, it's obvious Will Smith is the goat. He's on a higher plane. So we are going to give you the top three rappers turned actors outside of Will Smith. So Will Smith is kind of in this this ethereal level, floating above everyone else. And then we're going to do uh, our top three. So let's start from number three. Who do you have? Um, number three, I'm going to say is, uh, I'm going to say, (laughs) I didn't think about this before. (laughs) Hold on. I'll get there. Why don't you go first? You want me to go? Um, number three for me is Tupac. Um, I think. I, you know what? I, th- I think that'll be mine as well because okay. of, especially because of the, because of the potential. Yes. That, that was it. Yeah. Yep. It's the potential, the promise and like how magnetic he was on screen. It's like, I think he could have been like kind of a mainstay in, in some films um, taken away too soon, but also not because of 
the the small sample size not enough to put him over i think my my other two so yeah all right i'll, I'll go with my number two is uh queen latifah okay um she's just so natural on screen she's already nominated for an oscar mm-hmm. and i could see her in the future being nominated for another i think she's a great presence she's so natural on screen and she's she really carries an audience through a film completely agree she she's my number one you know right under will smith um and that that could be part recency bias because i did just watch bessie yesterday but also just like I was thinking and I was like, I haven't seen everything she's been in, but I was like, of the things that I've seen Queen Latifah in, have I ever disliked her performance in anything? And I was like, no, I don't think so. Like, I love her in Set It Off. I love her in Living Single, even though that's TV. Um, I thought she was phenomenal in Bessie. Uh, Just Right, you know, is a ridiculous movie, but I I also think she's very charming in that movie as well. She is. She's she's my number one. all right. Well, then, uh, what's your number two? My number two. Now, I had a tough time because I was like, do I go prolific best or like talent best? And I ended up going with talent best. So I want to give an honorable mention to my prolific best, which was Ice Cube for number two. Yeah, he was close on my list as well. Um, but talent best, I went with most deaf. I think you see that that's that he's my number one. Okay. Yeah, I just think most yeah. Def, like talent wise, is a very, very good actor. And I really hope that he like, you know, he's still young enough that I think he could he could take some some roles or I hope people are still sending him scripts, I guess, is what I'm saying, because I would love to see him in other things. I imagine they are. I just, you know, he is so good and what is great about him in Sixteen Blocks, especially, is that it's it's a it's a created character. He mm-hmm. You know, in so many of these roles that we're saying people are good in, it's an extension of themselves or their right, music right. persona. This is a whole creation that he has to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that is great. And he is, uh, again, so natural. He's done some great TV movies as well. So he is he is a, he is the real deal. Yeah. And I also hope he keeps making stuff. So question mm-hmm. for you. Is there anyone on this list that we've talked about? whose legacy in film has outdone their legacy in movies aside from Will Smith. Yeah, actually, let's see, who was it that I thought? So like, I, is, is ice cube close? Cause he's just been doing it. You know, NWA is huge, but his solo stuff never really hit and, and not never really hit, but hasn't really lasted past the time that it was a hit. And he's been in so many movies, most of them shitty, but I feel like that it's possible. I, I think, this was one of the tougher ones because I kind of I wrote like a legacy note for everyone that we talked about. And what I ended up with was that like Ice Cube is very close, but I think his contributions to N.W.A. and N.W.A.'s contributions to hip hop were so large that I don't think that what he's done acting wise has outpaced that. But if he I mean, if he, you know, decided to do have a supporting role in like maybe one or two more big movies. And like, of course, like has not made music in a very long time. You know, we're, we're at the place where there are uh, so many people who only know ice cube from movies, like generationally. Right. Um, so yeah, I think he's close. I also think ludicrous at this wow. point, Ludacris is just in like he hasn't put out music in. Let me see. I think I wrote this down. He hasn't released an album since 2015, 
And since then, he's had a main role in six movies. He hosted Fear Factor for multiple years. And, you know, it's safe to say his mind is no longer on music. And I think we're we're at a place where I think his acting legacy as as good and as underrated as I think Ludacris's music career is. I feel like people don't really talk about him as much as they should. I do think that his acting legacy is probably wow. outpacing. You could say that he slipped up and got God. <laughs> you you could yeah, say that, yeah. Music-wise. Uh, I don't think he should, but you could. Yeah, yeah I was wondering also about... Um, in my mind, Queen Latifah is pretty much there as well. Mm. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, her acting legacy has surpassed her music. And, and yeah. I say all this just not to you know, denigrate or take anything away from the music because she is a pioneer and she has added so much to hip hop. But like, I mean, from living single alone, like she's just become so much of a, of a on screen presence now. And she's done so much since then that, yeah, yeah, I think her acting legacy is greater. Absolutely. And then finally, are there any rappers that have not broken into film that you could see breaking into film and doing well. Yeah. So, um, Kendrick was on my list. Um, yeah. And you know, he's releasing this last album and he says it's his last album with TDE. Who knows if that means it's his last album ever, who knows anything with Kendrick, but maybe he could decide to, to step into more of a, you know, start doing some film. He has done some on-screen performances in TV. He was on power for an yeah, episode. Or I two. know you, you watched power, correct? Mm-hmm. How was he? He he was good. good. It was so he was playing a crackhead in the role. So it was very eccentric. And he he was honestly very, very good, like to the point where it made me want to see him in more things. He was the first person I put on this, like breaking into movies list when I wrote it. Um, I might look up that episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. He was was good. Um, I mentioned Joey Badass, I think about a week ago. He's been in like uh, he's He's been been doing mostly TV. Like he's in the Wu-Tang series. He's in Mr. Robot. Um, but I think he is a very good actor. Um, and I think if he can get like, continue to get some more, some more roles that a lot more people will see that, um, and he'll get even more opportunities. So I think Joey badass is one, um, Cardi B off the strength of her personality alone, I think will continue to get, to get movie opportunities, whether she will be good in them is, is a different conversation. I mean, I, from what her fast and furious appearance, I don't know, but right. I thought she, I mean, she was pretty much fine in hustlers. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. She's fine. In hustlers. Um, I, I thought Nicki Minaj could have had a thing for a second back when she was, she, she like co-starred in the other woman. Yeah. Yeah. She had a couple, she did a pretty like decent job. And, uh, but for me, the number one pick, and it's shocking that he's never gone back to it is Drake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Drake Drake could have been a huge deal. He's great on SNL. Yeah. Which is like the only time we see him kind of act. And I just feel like he's he's a natural for it. And he could have used his clout to to make some interesting movies. I think he could have been good. Yeah, I I've been trying to figure out if he's done with acting because there was a period, like maybe maybe five to seven years ago, where it made it he made it seem like, yo, I'm about to really like 
start doing this acting thing again. But then he said stuff in his music, like in the past few years where it's like, Oh, so you're where he's made it seem like he's done with acting. So I don't know. I would love to see Drake continue to act again because I do think he was hilarious in SNL. I think he, I mean, obviously Degrassi is, you know, not the, the best acted show and all of these child actors, you know, are not the pinnacle, but he's obviously got a lot of talent in so many things. So yeah, I think Drake would be great. Uh, Who knows what he's doing over there? Yeah. I see like his Instagram stories of him in his house, which is like enormous and like everything's cold. Like everything's cold and covered in marble (laughs) and he's wearing like 18 layers of clothes and joy. I'm like, you're at home, man. That seems exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. That seems exhausting. Anyway, I bet it's great. Um, no, he. I, I think he'd be good. Kendrick is. Uh, last week I said I, I want Good Kid mm-hmm. to make a movie, and I want him to start I, it. I so. have not been able to stop thinking about that since you said it. I think that would be a great idea. Be cool. If um, if they made even if it was like a, a a TV series or like a limited series or something, and not movie. Like I think that's a really good idea. Um, you should How send that, that over that to Kendrick's people. Yeah, I already. Yeah, I did it. I have not. I got one of those uh, delivery error messages. Oh, Kendrick, oh yeah, Kendrick yeah. Lamar at at Hotmail does not apparently exist for him. Which oh, is try um Good Kid Mad City at Hotmail dot com. Try that. That's probably that was his first yeah. one. That's yeah. probably what it is. Yeah. He named it after his uh, his email address. Now that people know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's his uh, like middle school gym. email address. <laughs> Um, do you know how long that album is? Like, could that just be a movie? It's it's got to be less. Uh, than two it's like it's like. Maybe an hour ten. All right, so you add dialogue and you get like a two hour and fifteen minute movie. Perfect. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that'd be great. I think that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, all right, what are we doing next week? Next week, uh, part four. We are going to be discussing the best hip hop movie soundtracks. Um, this, so I, I put together a list already of ones that we're going to be talking to. For some, a lot of these soundtracks are not available to like to like stream and i mean i guess it's because obviously they came out before before streaming was a thing and so i guess the movie studios would have had to go back and put them on there are a number of them that are but it's not even that they're not on there it's like a lot of them are incomplete so like the brown sugar soundtrack on streaming has like it's missing like six songs so I don't know if those songs will be available on YouTube, but I think they they, probably are. They might be making this harder on us. We have to like actually go to YouTube and listen to them individually. We're trying to talk. uh, We're trying to be positive about their soundtracks, and they're making it hard for us. Yeah, yeah. It's like, why don't you want me to listen to these? Like, yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we got a, a good list. I think there's about maybe ten or so. A list of like 10 to 12 that we're going to be discussing. Um, we're going to talk about our favorite songs from the soundtracks. Uh, maybe if there are songs that weren't singles that we think are worth a listen, I'll give some some information about how the soundtracks, um, like the history of them and like how they did uh, chart wise. But yeah, it'll be good. It's our penultimate yeah. episode. And I also think part of soundtracks that are interesting is that in, when they were huge in the 90s, it was because iTunes didn't exist. So you couldn't put a playlist together yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So this was a studio's way of going, putting songs that had nothing to do with a movie <laughs> into a movie yeah. to get you to buy the soundtrack because you're thinking, Oh, I can't get these songs together. I'd have to change CDs. Yeah. Now yeah. it's all on one thing. Uh, and that's not really the case anymore. Now it's really to get songs that 
aren't on other projects mm-hmm. onto your soundtrack album to get people to listen to it. So it's a, it's very interesting that kind of evolution of soundtracks as well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, all right. Anything you want to plug before we head out? Um, God. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's in the box office is a movie podcast that I co-host with, uh, our friend Noah. We discuss, uh, the box office chart, what made money, uh, what that means for your favorite franchises, for your favorite actors, where the money you spend goes to and kind of how that affects everything. Mm-hmm. Um, big couple weeks coming up. Dr. Strange is coming out. It's going to be a huge hit. It's beginning of the summer movie season. A lot of big movies coming. And we're doing a tournament right now. Every year we do a March Madness style tournament called Multiplex Madness. This year it's called Multiplex Sadness. We are uh, – figuring out what is the biggest flop of the 21st century and we have eight movies remaining is that true what are we doing this week <laughs> i would what's going on in my tournament i think you have you're doing round two of the sweet 16 this week okay we don't have our eight we have <laughs> four of the eight mm-hmm. this week we are concluding the six sweet 16 candles round mm-hmm. And we will have our eight remaining films. So it's a good time to jump on. A lot of big flops that are notorious that you've heard of Mm -hmm. uh, we'll be talking about. So that's on whatsintheboxoffice.com, with Box Office on Instagram and Twitter, and we're on all the different platforms. Cool. Um, And you already know, thinkingoutsidetheboombox.com is the website here, TOTB, the podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, four episodes of this podcast left before, um, it's heading off into the sunset. We got two more in the real rhythm series. Uh, Kendrick drops his album on the 13th. Uh, so I will likely release an episode, maybe the Wednesday following, um, kind of just talking about the album. And then my wife, Karen will join, um, for, I think the last week of May, uh, for the final farewell tour episode where she'll bring a topic and we'll discuss it. So uh, get in while the getting is good, as they say. Um, thank you, Brian, for joining again this week. Of course. I'll see you next week for part four. Uh, this has been Thinking Outside the Boombox, your number one source for hip hop and R&B news. Peace. to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.